0: Zoe, so, you can't go. All the plants are gonna die.
1: I'm gonna take a bath.
2: Bad dates. I'll alert the media.
0: Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil. Don't touch it. The name's Pliskin. No war.
2: Hang on. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the '80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen, and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm
3: gonna sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) Do we kill the sneeze?
2: Yeah. See, this episode's already off to a great start. (laughs) Now
3: you ruined it. I can't sneeze.
2: (laughs) And today we're discussing Image of the Beast, (laughs) released May 3rd, 1981, somewhere probably. It was written by Donald W... Wait
3: a w- minute, wait a minute. Hold
2: on. <laughs> it's a movie. This is a movie.
3: You, you promised me that these would all... We'd only have to do things that were released this theatrically. This was released.
2: I don't know if theatric It was in churches and stuff.
3: You made me watch this. <laughs>
2: yes, I did. You're welcome. It was written by Donald W. Thompson and Russell S. Dotton Jr. based on a story by God. Directed by Donald <laughs> W. Thompson and released by who knows.
3: Does it actually say story by God?
2: It does in my notes. It doesn't say that on IMDb. No,
3: I just meant I didn't read, I didn't watch He should have credits. a lot of credits. <laughs> he did all the stories, yeah. technically. Every one of them.
2: <laughs> Making of. Thousands of years ago, God whispered a story to a bunch of desert dudes. And by the early 1970s, the book had fallen into the public domain. In 1972...
3: <laughs> I feel like it might have been there before that.
2: <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> in 1972, Russell S. Doughton Jr. and Donald W. Thompson formed Mark Four Pictures. Together they would produce 12 films in 12 years, all intended to spread the message of Jesus Christ. Most famous among their productions was a series of films referred to as the Thief in the Night series, a four-part retelling of the biblical apocalypse, starting with the rapture, all the way through to Christ's return. For anyone unfamiliar with modern Christian beliefs, the rapture is an unpredictable moment in the future when all the true Christians will vanish from the planet, whisked instantly away to heaven, leaving behind the non-believers to quarrel amongst each other for a tribulation period believed to last about seven years and punctuated by the return of Jesus Christ to earth, where he is expected to rule the planet for 1,000 years. And I don't know what happens after that. I don't even know if there's a book for that yet.
3: But I I mean, I know what happens in the tribulation time. Right. Damien takes over this corporation. Yeah. And everything else in the world pretty much goes on as right. normal. This is
2: essentially the second <laughs> time we've covered this story for the year. <laughs> after Omen Three. Omen babies. What's the third one called? Omen three.
3: Conflict? The final conflict. The final
2: conflict. The final conflict. Other popular films dealing with The Rapture include the Left Behind series with three films starring Kurt Cameron and a more recent reboot starring Nicolas Cage, the Omega Code films with Casper Van Diem, and more recently Seth Rogen's This Is The End. I haven't seen enough of it to tell you, but HBO series The Leftovers was Rapture related, I think, right? It was about, the plot is that 2% of Earth vanishes suddenly, but I don't know how they explain the vanishings over the course of the series because I didn't watch the whole series. The Thief in the Night series was shot in Iowa over more than a decade. The first film from which the series takes its name was A Thief in the Night, released in 1972. The entire film is technically a dream, laying out the rules of who will be raptured and what will happen to those left behind. It opens with a woman named Patty finding out that her husband has been raptured, but then toward the end of the film she wakes up realizing the events of the entire film have been a dream, only to find again that now in the real world her husband has been raptured. (laughs)
3: <laughs> it was a dream, but it was But But
2: it, tr- it came true. But
3: it happened anyways.
2: Six years later, in 1978, a second film, A Distant Thunder, was released. Everything from the first film's nightmare comes true. Patty's religious friends are gone, and the remaining population of Earth joins into a single government called Unite, urging everyone to accept an identifying mark, without which people are denied groceries, medical attention... Even after seeing the rapture unfold firsthand, Patty is not a believer of Christ, because what loving God would put people through this tribulation? It ends with Patty on the verge of execution by guillotine for her refusal to accept the mark.
1: <laughs> the BIM mark? Yeah, basically. It <laughs> was, yeah. like, was the only thing I kept thinking about. Man, BIM is getting really hardcore here.
2: <laughs> Three years later, Image of the Beast hit theaters. <laughs> theaters. <laughs> Churches. Uh. The title comes from Revelations thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, 15, which is just numbers that go up in a row. It's 13, 14, and 15. 13, 14 to 15. I don't know how you say Bible verse numbers. <laughs> and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many would not worship, the image of the beast should be killed. That's a run-on sentence. Not grammatically correct.
3: Your problem with the Bible is its grammar?
2: Yes. <laughs> if the score to the film sounds familiar, I think I have solved that whole conundrum. Ba,
3: ba, da ba da
2: ba da ba, ba, da, ba, da, ba. Jan Stokert was a Dutch composer, and in the early 1960s, his conductor, Hugo de Groot, brought him to London music publisher De DeWolf Music Limited. During his time with De DeWolf, he worked under several pseudonyms, Willie Faust, Peter Milray, Julius Stafaro, and most famously, Jack Trombie. Here is where I have to make a logical leap and assume that in 1972, when choosing music for their film, they settled on stock music, courtesy of De DeWolf's Music Limited. The first installment of the franchise credits no composer but it has this same music from this film three years after a thief in the night's release the monty python crew were in post on their film monty python and the holy grail which at the time featured music composed by python regular neil Innes using exclusively era appropriate instruments but decided to toss out much of ennis's work in exchange for stock music from the DeWolf music limited library the track they settled on for the film's overture is called Homeward Bound by Jack Trombie, one of Stokert's pseudonyms, and is very nearly, if not identical, to the main theme used throughout the A Thief in the Night quadrology. I'm fairly confident that this is another of Stokert's DeWolf pieces, if not the exact same track, yeah. just a different part. Here's the score from this film. No! 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 And here's the main overture of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. We start the film with some scrolling titles. The Book of Revelation reveals a time to come, a great tribulation, a time of such great catastrophe that no film could portray its reality. It is the belief of many Bible scholars that the facts presented in this film story could become a reality in your lifetime. After viewing this film, we hope you will take seriously what God says in his word about these prophecies and turn to Jesus Christ and avoid the events you are about to experience in this motion picture." Really sets the tone with that disclaimer at the head of the film. And then completely
1: confuses me with computer screen opening credits.
2: Right. Uh, some scripture fades in and when they say unto you seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and mutter should not a people seek unto their god isaiah 819
3: what what does that mean i
2: looked it up today (laughs) and i think what it's saying is when they say to you go find these people who can speak to god and they'll give you his message why don't you just go talk to him yourself you don't have to talk through these other people Just talk to God yourself and get the information firsthand. Don't go to wizards that peep and mutter because they're weird. They mutter. And they peep. That's true. The camera pulls back to reveal that we read that scripture off of a small computer screen. The camera tilts up to reveal meaningless dials, toggles, and flashing lights under the title Image of the Beast. Under the opening titles we see a lot of footage of what looks like a machine room at a post house Tapes are rewinding, buttons are being pressed and flashing. We get inserts of printers spitting out seemingly random characters on endless reams of paper. We see a woman typing away at a keyboard and tilt up to her monitor where words appear. God's love is so great, it is greater than his judgment.
1: To me, that is the age-old argument, can God create a rock so big
2: he can't lift it? (laughs) And it turns out, he can. That's how great he is. We crossfade to a barcode sticker the size of my head. On a 40 of ecto cooler. A disembodied hand places it in a cart next to bathroom tissues, which are labeled bathroom tissues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we see that the couple pushing the cart are expecting a child. The husband notices a book called Computer Prophecies by Beverly Kay in the impulse buy section beside the checkout. They toss it in the cart with their food because it's about computers, so they must love it.
3: Well, she works with computers, so. She works
2: at the computers. <laughs> 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 They picked the most computery font they could for the blurb on the back of this book and as a result, I cannot read it at all. (laughs) Not on a standard deaf transfer anyway. When's the Blu-ray coming out for this? (laughs) Is this gonna be one of our releases?
1: Is this like a CAPTCHA for you? Like, can you not?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm a computer.
3: (laughs) That explains it.
2: Computers and their indescribable evil will be something of a regular theme for the film.
3: Are you still at Computers
0: Incorporated, Cappy? Mm, Still there. (laughs) i'm sorry
1: (laughs) is that like in a in a check yep and penetrating?
2: yeah it's even more blatant than that
0: when's your due date oh three long weeks
2: (laughs) the cashier patty the central character of the first two films notices the computer book in their cart and appears concerned
0: are you sure you want this book it's about computers isn't it
2: I want everything that's about computers give me all your computer books
0: it's a religious book about people who worship
3: computers one of the stock boys read it though he said it was really scary
0: good you have to scare some people just to get their attention should we allow these people to find themselves in the tribulation period scared to death or get their
2: attention now while something can be done you know just normal grocery store talk (laughs) yeah
1: my note here is this is my nightmare of working in retail yeah
2: (laughs) kathy promises to read the book to appease her husband and also agrees with patty that the prophecies seem a bit outlandish kathy's husband warns them that they're in for a shock if they don't open their minds to the prophecies of the bible
1: okay so hold on My, my first issue with this is This couple is about to have a child, but clearly she doesn't share the religious beliefs of her husband, and it it seems like that must have been something that came up in the early part of this. If you're the kind of guy that
2: starts uh, checkout line (laughs) tribulation arguments, (laughs) then you've probably brought this up with your wife, like, "What religion are we going to raise this kid? Yeah, computer or Christianity?"
3: (laughs) I think that it comes to light though that she she's not a total non-believer, right? Right. Like. She, She's like, but I believe in God. You know, later we find out she does Sunday school or something. You know, like, she, so she's a casual Christian, right. if you will.
2: But this guy doesn't seem like this he wants a, a casual... Yeah. This
3: guy's a, This guy's into God.
2: We hard cut from the grocery store to Patty getting slapped around near an enormous guillotine where we ended the last film. Soldiers are removing the previous victim, who for some reason still has a head... A woman named Sandy approaches Patty and tries to convince her to accept the mark of the beast. Patty is resistant.
3: Patty, we don't want you to be here either. My sister just threw her life away for a god that doesn't even exist.
2: When Patty again refuses the mark, she is dragged kicking and screaming to the guillotine. One last time, Patty refuses the mark and is laid down in the guillotine, facing upward toward the blade with a basket under her head. Just as she gets strapped in place, the sky turns dark and a storm rolls in. Lightning strikes put the crowd on edge, especially a dude named Jerry with a wicked mustache that curls out toward his mutton chops.
3: <laughs> this mustache is ridiculous. It's like a, like a snidely whiplash, like you know, five cent drugstore mustache. <laughs> yeah, it changes
2: in each film. in the In the fourth film, it's really boring. It's just like a straight, like, well, n- boring, as boring as Magnum P.I.'s mustache is. It's just a a regular straight sort of fluffier mustache but this one's all curly and strange yeah but,
3: yeah but it also looks like it's a piece of felt taped to his lips that's true yes <laughs> it does
2: not look real for most of the film patty stares up at the guillotine and the blackening sky beyond when an earthquake strikes and inexplicably patty takes this opportunity to change her mind and accept the mark even though god appears to be punishing these folks for beheading her yeah The ground cracks open all around her, and everyone just abandons her in the guillotine, including her good friend Sandy. Patty makes a straining effort to undo her straps, but the loosening mechanics of the guillotine spell her fate, and before she can unlock herself, the blade slashes down, chopping her head off. That's right, we've now beheaded the main character of the first two installments of this series. (laughs) We crossfade to a woman in what looks like a hospital gown, descending a staircase into a dark basement of a building. She accidentally knocks something down the stairs, which startles rats in the basement and draws the attention of a nearby guard. Then she bumps into a second survivor hiding in the dark down here and both scream, leading the guard in their direction. The soldier corners the survivors, hospital gown, who we'll come to know as Leslie, and a mother with a son. It's Kathy from the grocery store in the opening scene, and the son she was pregnant with three years ago. He makes them hold out their hands to check for the image of the beast, and when he sees that they're clean, He admits that he's on their team. Praise God.
0: You mean you're not a soldier? Praise God is right!
2: (sighs) Outside the building we hear gunfire and we see stock footage of firefighters putting out raging flames. Kathy asks where he got his soldier uniform from and he says he beat a guy unconscious and took it. Did you
3: kill him?
0: I'm not sure.
2: Which is of course shorthand for yes.
1: Well he says I'm not sure if I did it was self-defense. (laughs) And says well, then what if you didn't?
2: (laughs) Then then I did it by accident. Was
1: it attempted murder if you didn't kill him?
2: (laughs) The soldier, who we will come to know as David Michaels, starts chatting up the little boy. The kid's name is Billy, and he's three. David says he had a son once, but that his son was raptured with his mother. Kathy admits that her husband was raptured and that Billy was born five days later. Talk about bad timing. Billy says that he has to take a shit, so Kathy carries him out of the room. Left alone, Leslie and David discuss that if Jesus has a plan for them, then there's nothing to worry about, really, and David assures her that any anxiety she's feeling is totally normal. Surprisingly quickly, the two are hitting on each other.
0: What are you thinking? Oh, I was just wondering what would have happened if we'd met in another time. I wish we had.
2: When Kathy comes back, David mentions that they have the upper hand because even if the bad guys win, as believers, they'll still go to heaven. Kathy asks what will happen to non-believers, implying she is one, and David advises her to stay alive as long as she can. The women share stories about their Christian beliefs. They both thought that they were good Christians and were surprised to find themselves left out of the rapture. Leslie says that she received a message from God two years ago explaining exactly why she was left behind. It turns out... God didn't allow her passage to heaven because she had selfishly devoted her life to working with handicapped children in between regular church attendance. She's embarrassed now of the pride that she took in helping the less fortunate when she could have spent that time reading the same book over and over again.
0: Well, it only proves that we left out the only thing
3: that really matters.
0: What's that? Jesus Christ.
3: So she could have gone to heaven if she hated working with disabled people but no did she
2: it? she she shouldn't have even done that because that was something she was doing for herself
3: but that's what i'm saying is as, as long as she despised working with disabled people she'd be allowed in heaven no, right but that, it would be even worse <laughs> yeah i I, don't understand. I think it would be
2: what what you're supposed to do is just tell other people about their religion get the word out that's all you should do until you run out of life <laughs> David asked Kathy why she refused the mark if she's not a believer and she shows him the book that she got at a grocery store about computer prophecies. According to this random book from the grocery store (laughs) written by a complete stranger if she accepts the mark she's making a deal with the devil that she doesn't believe in so she refused to take the mark. Sounds an awful lot like a believer to me. The three of them make a plan to escape together and they all hop in a unite jeep. UNITE is an acronym that stands for United Nations Imperium of Total Emergency. That's the name of the single government that rules the planet in the post-rapture universe.
1: Guess which one they came up with first.
2: Definitely the acronym. And they were (laughs) like, oh my god, you guys, this already spells the word. We don't even have to change anything. Another guard flags down David's jeep and he pretends to pull over but then slams on his gas to throw mud in the face of the other soldier before peeling out. The second soldier falls in the mud and then makes an attempt to fire on them with his rifle. A successful attempt. He hits Leslie in the back and she falls off the jeep and dies in the mud. She will probably go to hell now because she cared more about special needs kids than she did about Jesus Christ, a man who died 2,000 years before she was born and who told people to take care of the less fortunate. David doesn't realize that Leslie is gone until he parks the jeep wherever they were going. When he notices her absence, he runs the whole way back... (laughs) to where she fell off the jeep for whatever reason the guy with the rifle is not taking this opportunity to kill david or to even approach the dead body
3: because he must have been within the range right he could have seen this because he shot her there so is he did they just leave
2: yeah and did he just shoot the person and leave the dead body there and go like clock out
3: i guess (laughs) job well
2: done (laughs) it's weird here too that david is addressing the body as leslie Because she never introduced herself. (laughs) She doesn't say her name until later in the film. Spoiler alert. But, I mean, there is conceivably a few minutes between them saying, we gotta get out of here, and them driving in the Jeep, where they could have all said, by the way, here are our names. David carries Leslie's corpse to the bushes and lays it beside a tree for some reason. When he gets back to the Jeep, Kathy is suddenly very concerned with Leslie's well-being, despite not caring when she fell off the Jeep
0: did you find her is she alright?
2: yeah that's why i came back alone i found her but she's doing great she doesn't (laughs) even need help anymore let's go david struggles to get the jeep started and suddenly we cut back to leslie in the woods and she's not dead david kathy and billy sit in the jeep on the shore of a lake and wait david thinks it's impossible to outrun the other jeeps full of unite soldiers and if they can't outrun them they have to outsmart them in this case outsmart means flash your dull brights at the oncoming jeep so that the driver accidentally slams the pedal to the metal and ramps off a cliff into a lake. (laughs) We crossfade to the following morning and we find Kathy, David, and Billy sleeping under the jeep. Billy wakes up and finds a rabbit in a nearby field and leaves to chase it while the other two sleep. He finds a structure and he moves inside on his own. It's a stable full of animals. Billy climbs over a chicken wire barrier to get into the coop. When he turns around, he notices a pair of boots on the opposite side of the chicken wire, and he looks up at the man wearing them. We cut back to the Jeep, where Kathy wakes up to the sound of Billy crying for his mother.
3: Mommy, Mommy!
2: Just as she and David begin their search, an old man carrying Billy approaches them. The old man introduces himself as Turner, and he's played by Russell S. Doughton Jr., the producer of the series.
3: That makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah he has appeared as this character in the first two installments and he comes back for the last one
3: and the only thing he does is go is monologue right about what the fuck is happening that's
2: a lot of what these characters do <laughs> david gives turner fake names for each of them and he never corrects it later <laughs> he just tells them oh my name is pat ryan and this is jody so-and-so and that's the only names he ever gives turner but turner somehow learns their names later Turner invites the refugees into his home and offers them food. Kathy gives Billy an apple and then tells him to just wander outside like there aren't soldiers shooting at them all over the place. David asks where his food supply comes from and he points to the animals and to God's will. David asks if the authorities ever hassle him and Turner claims that they don't even know he's here. And even if they did, they wouldn't bother with the crazy old preacher man. In the earlier films, After the Rapture, Turner has an Oscar Schindler-style breakdown when he realizes he didn't save enough people. Like he wasn't serious enough when he described the rapture and how important it is to believe in God. And so people got left behind, including himself. And so...
3: Yeah, but why did he get left behind? Because this guy is like one of the craziest of the crazies. Now he is. He wasn't before. okay.
2: And so he turned it up 10 notches and he's trying to get everybody else on board. So he's, he's decided he's devoting his entire tribulation period to getting as many people on his level as possible so that they can all be taken away you know what's really annoying about talk to text whenever you say tribulation period it puts a period like at the end of a (laughs) sentence david and kathy are obviously happy to learn he's a preacher and that they're amongst their own kind turner admits to them a bit of his failures as a preacher and then he leads them to an enormous wall mural that he unfurls
1: which is pretty awesome
2: yeah i kind of want this (laughs) non-ironically Across the top, we can read the words Book of Revelation. David asks Turner if he believes that Jesus Christ was God come to earth in the flesh, and for some reason, Turner evades the question.
0: You believe it? Yes. Aren't you? If you're a believer, then you know we're now in the tribulation period, referred to by the prophets Daniel, Ezekiel, John, and Jesus
2: Christ. His mural is an enormous timeline of what we can expect to happen over the events of this series of films. He points to seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, and all manner of crappily hand-rendered Bible illustrations. I feel like I've heard of the seals and the trumpets, Mm -hmm. but the bowls are new to me. (laughs) There's the seven bowls of the apocalypse. (laughs) David and Turner agree that yesterday's earthquake was an indication of one of the seven seals, specifically the sixth, and that we're now between the sixth and the seventh.
0: And I looked as he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became as black as sackcloth and the moon became as blood and the seas boiled and the skies fell judgment day judgment day
2: i think that's all from the bible or maybe some of that was just the ghostbusters talking to each other okay
1: how about some tunes huh
3: (laughs) (laughs) that's from the bible too yeah
2: (laughs) jesus was all about those tunes Turner says a lot of crazy shit's about to go down, especially in Israel. But right now, the devil is in heaven, accusing the saints of sin. But Jesus is there too, and he's explaining to his dad that he took care of all that. Yeah, these guys sinned or whatever, but I died for that, so that goes on my tab. They're good. According to the book of Revelations, which dictates the future, the good angels will throw the devil down to earth. For whatever reason, the part of the devil on this chart is being played by a dragon with seven heads and it looks totally fucking badass.
1: Yeah, uh,
3: you, <laughs> you totally get
0: that
2: mark. Yes.
3: Uh,
1: you, the, yeah, the seven-headed dragon uh, is a thing I've seen before, yeah. mostly from the Ninth Gate movie. Okay,
2: gate. yeah, yeah. Doesn't the dragon show up at the end of the movie? Uh, no, it doesn't,
1: but it's it's on the last page that he needs to get. Oh, okay. Or one of the pages. Maybe not the last page, but one of the pages.
2: Turner says that Satan is here now even though he just said he was in yeah, heaven.
1: right? I kept waiting for one of these people to actually be Satan.
2: Yeah, like, I, I thought that twist was coming too.
1: But I was giving this movie a lot
3: of credit. <laughs> yeah. As I say, it was just based on the Bible, not an actually good like, screenplay.
2: <laughs> Turner says that Satan is here now, and that for the next three and a half years, he'll be preparing his attack on God. According to the Bible, apparently, Russia will attack Israel... <laughs> and a great leader will rise up to save them. Was is Russia specifically no, no. called out in the Bible? No. I feel like probably not.
3: But also I don't like how these seven these seven seals, these seven trumpets, don't seem to be evenly distributed across seven years.
2: No. They <laughs> they seem to be taking place mm-hmm. all in a row uh, over the course of a week. <laughs> but the 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 seals are lame. Like the coolest one was an earthquake. And then the trumpets are all badass. Yeah. Like I would honestly Kind of like to go through all of the trumpets. That that part seems cool. Have a couple, maybe. The Israeli leader will be killed, and then Satan will take over his corpse and appear to be resurrected. Over the next three and a half years, this leader will become a global dictator and destroy the world church.
1: Has has Satan read Revelations? Is he?
2: He has. Is this
1: is all he like? He goes, okay. This is the deal.
2: Right. He's read it. He knows it, and he believes it. David asks, why Satan doesn't know all of this, if Turner does? And Turner says, Satan believes the Bible as much as anybody else does, but he just doesn't understand it as well as Turner does. He doesn't have this chart. If Satan came into this room and he saw this chart, he'd be like, oh, fuck, I lose on page seven? Shit. Well, never mind.
3: Well, I mean, I feel like we were learning from the omen that it's like, well, yeah, the second coming, Jesus might not win. That there's there's opportunity for him to lose. But the book says that he will win. That's, that's that's the good side saying that's true Prophecies written by the winners
2: <laughs> before, they before win. i know yeah we cut across town where leslie has made a miraculous recovery she's lying awake in a bed with an elderly couple looking after her they're clearly believers and share with her that god must have a plan for her later that night if he does by the way it's not in this movie yeah <laughs> Later that night, David pulls Kathy aside to confide in her that he's been working on a counterfeit mark so that they might pass in public as non-believers, even though, as we've established, Kathy herself is a non-believer.
3: Yeah. I feel like at this point, why not just die as a believer? Wouldn't that be a little bit easier than all this other stuff?
2: I guess they can save people is the only reason to stick Mm -hmm. around, is to convert people and save them before it's too late. David says he doesn't have the equipment to pull it off as an actual tool to buy things with, but right now it would help them for transportation. Um, All he needs to change it into a credit card is a hand computer.
0: But if we could locate a hand computer, I'm close enough now for the two of us to really crack this thing open.
2: Which Kathy then translates into non-weirdo. A calculator. (laughs) David says the system he's devised with absolutely no technology or firsthand knowledge of the mark, will give them freedom of transportation, but they can't use their numbers to buy anything until they can attach an existing account to their marks. David says that he somehow skimmed an account number off of the other soldier that they encountered, and that they can go to the mall and use that guy's account to buy stuff until he runs out of money. Kathy's a little weirded out about putting even a counterfeit mark on because she doesn't know how it would be different from Satan's david says it's different enough because it's ours because it's our mark it's not his mark it's just identical to his mark and it works in the same way his mark
1: does it provides us all the benefits of his mark
2: and probably all the problems i really wanted the twist to be that this guy was satan and he was just tricking her to put the mark on Uh,
1: yeah because she's totally hesitant about the implication right of because of the implication uh of (laughs) of what pretending to be amongst these people would would mean
2: yeah kathy seems to remember something in the bible about not stealing and david reminds her that the commandments don't count in wartime like when he killed that guy for pants later moving through town david notices the quote goon unquote that shot leslie they, ca- they call him a goon every time they see him so the, the soldier that shot leslie is the goon and they see him and he chases them into the world church, which is called Unite. They listen to the preacher at the Unite church, who discusses only profits of their corporation religion. He has big bar graphs to indicate the money that each of his followers is entitled to.
3: You should clarify how you're spelling profits there.
2: That's true. Yeah, <laughs> profits with an F. These share investments have already gone up 28% in just a few weeks. That's actually pretty good. He praises Brother Christopher, who has been elected president of the Federated States of Europe, which is, I guess, a subsection of... Unite. Unite.
3: Is that the guy that got resurrected?
2: Brother Christopher. Not yet, but who will be, according to the scripture. The soldier who shot at them...
1: A.K.A. the script. Yeah.
2: (laughs) The script, sure. (laughs) the soldier who shot at them follows them into the church and then drags them away from the congregation expecting to arrest them Seated directly in front of kathy and david are diane and jerry villain non-believers of the earlier films diane sees them getting dragged away by a unite soldier and brings it to jerry's attention the soldier asks them to present their hands and is surprised to find them marked and lets them go oh well sorry i guess you're free to go Outside the church, we see that Jerry has shaved his mutton chops, and now he just has the curly mustache. Apparently, Kathy and Diane are former co-workers. Diane is just as surprised to see Kathy marked, because Kathy was always vehemently opposed to the practice. She claims that she changed her mind when they became mandatory, not wanting to break the rules. Jerry starts giving David the third degree, asking for his job classification and specific assignments. He seems intrigued to hear that David is computer-rated, but David won't go into detail on his projects. Back on Turner's farm, Billy is invited to feed the chickens. Turner refuses the counterfeit mark but thanks them for the offer. They tell him about their encounter at the World Church today and how it sounded more like a board meeting than a sermon. He drags them back over to his giant mural and he points to a woman riding a red lion with seven faces.
0: There's your World Church. When the Christians disappeared, some of the churches collapsed for lack of members. But for the rest they just join together in one big sin-infested humanistic body the world church
2: turner tells them more of the events to come he says that when the israeli leader is killed and seemingly resurrected that the jews will worship him as a messiah satan will destroy the world church and replace it with his own image turner then explains that the jews upon learning that their new messiah is the antichrist will suddenly realize that they've been wrong this whole time and that christians had it right (laughs) jesus kathy stupidly brings up her computer prophecy book again like it's some lost chapter of the bible and not a piece of shit self-published diatribe that she found next to the (laughs) weekly world news
1: yeah and when she talks about it she goes in this book i have on the computer prophecy and then she continues on her line yeah it's like, like are you hinting at something i was like do, you, are, do are we doing all these in one take? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's they're doing all of them in one yeah, take. Yeah,
2: because earlier when they're in the basement at the beginning of the movie, the kid keeps fucking coughing through like every shot and they just leave his coughs in.
3: Well, some people leave my sneezes in things too. I don't
2: know what you're talking about. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> it seems like everything she brings up from her computer book is just another section of the Bible paraphrased. Here, she says that thousands of teachers will help convert people to be followers of Christ during the tribulation period, and Turner confirms the prophecy. 144,000 teachers will rise up and help convert people to Christianity before the end of the tribulation period. I think they just wanted for every character to be able to cite the Bible constantly, so they gave Kathy a Bible and just changed the cover to trick her into buying it. Mm -hmm. We see a quick montage of missiles being launched and exploding, And then we cut to a news broadcast where it's announced that brother Christopher has been shot and killed. We see that this broadcast is being watched by David, Kathy, Jerry, and Diane in Jerry and Diane's living room. David and Kathy have to just sit there and pretend to be surprised, even though these events were all widely detailed in the most widely published book of all time. Jerry asks how his calculator is working out, and David says, oh, it's fine. Jerry takes the moment to reveal that he works as an agent of a secret organization called Believer's Underground Movement Squad.
0: Bones. I beg your pardon. Oh, uh, I just have a habit of abbreviating corporate names and, well, yours just came out a little funny.
2: Jerry says that he ran David's stolen numbers through their system and was very impressed with David's credentials, which are actually that other soldier's credentials. Jerry is most impressed with the fact that his official resume doesn't mention computers anywhere, and yet he seems to be a computer expert. He's even mentioned them twice now. Jerry wants him to come to work for bums, and he says, give me time to think about it. Back in their secret hideout, David is frustrated to learn that the batteries to his hand computer have died. They'll have to head into the city to buy more. While they explore a mall looking for a place that sells batteries, a voice comes on the building's intercom.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is URN, the United Radio Network, with a news bulletin direct from United Radio in Jerusalem and Jack Mulcahy. It's been confirmed. Just a little over an hour ago, it was reported that Brother Christopher had by some miracle been healed.
2: They then transfer the microphone directly to Brother Christopher so that he can make a statement directly to his people.
0: Yes i'm alive more alive than i have ever been do not fear apparently that's all he's going to say <laughs>
1: what <laughs> the, the, that's like some weekend at bernie shit though yeah right? it's I like mean, the
2: most suspicious message you could think of i am definitely alive i am the most alive ever
1: one 100 not dead and and not being used as a puppet
2: i am okay Doki. (laughs) to celebrate brother christopher's resurrection all the businesses are closing so they won't be able to buy their batteries today back on the farm kathy and david have a moment alone and she starts to suggest that they should shack up together
0: we've been together for some time now and well i i know what you're trying to say kathy and uh i think with everything that's that's going on, what you really need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because death is
2: inevitable for us. David starts quoting the Bible to her to prove how important it is to believe what the Bible says. She doesn't see the harm in questioning the words of his book.
0: What's wrong with trying to understand it? Because we didn't try to understand it, don't you see? We just complicated it. We complicated something that was so simple, so obvious, all we had to do was
2: believe it. Stop thinking! Just believe, idiot! Kathy has essentially taken the place previously held by Patty in these movies. Between scenes that move the plot forward, we just see a non-believer ask, Why should I believe? And the believer says, Why not? Back and forth for hours. Some of these movies are over two hours. And a lot happens in this one compared to the other ones. Kathy is tired of having theoretical conversations about a book written 2000 years ago. She wants to discuss reality. And so David points to the events of this fictional series of films wherein millions of people vanished overnight. Kathy says that the news blamed it on UFOs. Checkmate. Yep. The two of them head back to the barn and sit with Turner to read from the Bible some more. He reads from his tiny child-sized book that when Jesus comes back, he will accept all of the true believers from those left behind to join the raptured in heaven. David claims that 300 prophecies from the Bible have come true. I'd love to hear what any of those were. Suddenly, an announcement comes on the radio. Brother Christopher murdered two men on the streets of Jerusalem? Is that, is that what I'm led to believe here? They say there were two people that were killed and that he claimed responsibility. And that he says that the two men were religious fanatics that were converting Jews to Christianity, which apparently comes with a death penalty handed out by Brother Christopher himself now. Brother Christopher has dictated that the bodies will be left strewn across the sidewalk to remind people what happens when you try to preach the gospel simultaneously brother christopher has decided to nationalize all the energy companies turner tells them that god's going to be pissed about it but as long as everybody believes in christ that it doesn't matter what happens to their bodies because their souls are saved
3: well i'm sorry where in the bible does god
2: nationalize the energy sector well or believe in only
3: privatization is the way forward for the energy sector i'm That's, so it's, confused it's an
2: american <laughs> bible part <laughs> uh, th- uh, when i was looking it up It seems to me like the rapture and the tribulation period is like new. It's like in the last 200 years, that's been a part of the Bible that there's not explicit instructions for a tribulation period before versions of the Bible written since the 1800s and specifically American versions of the Bible, not even the whole planet, which is interesting. We cut back to the shopping mall where David and Kathy are trying again to buy batteries. The sign limits them to two per customer, so they're buying two packs each. Because they're using the same counterfeit mark, it is imperative that they not check out at the same time. If a computer sees two people using the same mark simultaneously, they will be arrested and probably killed. Over the checkout area, a sign reads, Warning, due to security reasons, No position or lane changes allowed. Insanely, (laughs) Kathy and David get in two different lines at the same time, greatly increasing the odds that they will be checking out simultaneously. Maybe get in the same line. Maybe check out hours apart. Maybe only buy two packs of batteries at a time. No, let's risk death and save a maximum of five minutes. Kathy is trying to rush her way through and David is trying to stall because their completely predictable mistake has backfired. When they scan David's mark, an alarm goes off and he makes a run for it. The guard chasing David crashes into a store employee carrying a box of meat and he is buried in cutlets. <laughs>
3: like like, <laughs> like, raw hunks of meat in yeah. a cardboard box just mm-hmm. go strewn across the yeah, floor. That's how
2: you move those around. I, I bet they were on the truck like that, just <laughs> in cardboard
1: the box is all so, soggy, so soggy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just blood pooling around in the bottom outside david punches another armed guard and throws him into the back of his own truck before stealing it and then kathy hides with the guard in the back of the truck like does that guy unconscious or is he gonna wake up and kill kathy with his gun
3: one could hope <laughs>
2: A high-speed chase ensues, and at the climax, David drives his stolen vehicle completely through a fucking house. The car is totaled on the other side, and he is yanked from the cab and arrested. After the police leave, apparently without searching the rest of the vehicle, Kathy emerges from the back of it. (laughs) Like, they didn't even look in the back seat. Yep. We cut to Jerry's office where he's listening to a radio broadcast, and this is weird. Apparently, the two dead guys in Jerusalem were also resurrected off the street. Like, they just got up and dusted themselves off and went back to teaching the gospel. What? What happened? No one said that was going to happen, and we never come back to those guys. That's the end of that story. Jerry answers the phone angrily and orders someone's execution. A co-worker tells him he's not authorized to do that, and Jerry elaborates that this particular man lied to his face while eating dinner at his table meaning that the person he's ordering the execution of is david mm-hmm. jerry has been made the laughing stock of the agency for loaning the criminal his own hand computer jerry's co-worker points out that if david has a way to counterfeit marks then they should extract that information from him before he can be executed back at the farm that kathy was apparently able to walk to she asks turner what other kinds of bizarre shit are coming down the pipe during the tribulation This is my favorite part of the movie, I think. (laughs) He tells her that for trumpet number one, lightning will start wildfires and destroy the planet's vegetation. And because that sounds too normal, it also for some reason involves hail and blood. Trumpet number two will turn the oceans to blood and kill off one third of all marine life, starving the people who can't eat plants anymore.
1: And... I think turning the oceans to blood would kill all of of them. Yeah, I don't know many fish that can breathe
2: blood.
3: (laughs) Have you tried? Don't knock it till you try it. That's true. So, I'm sorry, which way are we going with these trumpets? Because I thought we were currently between number six and seven. No, we
2: were between six and seven seals.
3: Oh, okay. we haven't
2: gotten to the trumpets yet. Trumpets are after.
3: So what it goes seals, trumpets, bowls. Correct. Okay.
2: <laughs> but the bowls are way at the end, and I just imagine they're like they're like salsa. harmonic,
3: and then you like resonate. The no, no, no. The, it's
2: just it's just a Woo. meal. They just have a little meal at the end oh. to right. comfort everyone.
1: I was picturing like the Chicago Bulls like playing. No, anything.
2: not bulls. bulls bowls. Oh, B o w l s.
1: Oh, I I thought he was saying bowls. <laughs> he literally
2: <laughs> says bowls, which is why I was like seals all right that sounds like biblical and scary and then trumpets okay yeah they're loud you know they're big metal things bowls just bowls <laughs> stuff i had to google it it's bowls it's not bulls. okay i misheard it at first too because bulls makes more sense it's more intimidating
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. more intimidating than seals <laughs> <laughs> not those kinds of seals either
2: trumpet number three causes a poisonous meteorite to contaminate a third of all drinking water. Surprisingly, trumpet number 4 is possibly the most confusing.
1: Wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay. So <laughs>
2: number number 1 starts forest fires. Yeah, yeah. 2 turns the oceans to blood. 3 poisons whatever drinking water is left. So I I'm, I'm guessing the oceans already blood. So right. now the rivers, rivers are undrinkable. All right, got okay, it. got it. Okay, trumpet like number
1: the, the salmon the salmon could escape the ocean into the freshwater rivers, but now yeah. not even that's Now they're old. swimming
2: out of the blood the and into the poison waters.
3: What happens when the two meet?
2: (laughs) You just gotta go back and forth between poison and blood. (laughs) Trumpet number four is a plague of darkness on the earth. One third of the sun, moon, and stars will go dark. In like manner, a spiritual darkness will settle over the world. What does that even mean? One third of the sun, moon, and stars will go dark?
3: Like, are they 30% dimmer?
2: The moon is already dark. Is that one third of the sun, moon, and stars? Will each of them turn down 33%? (laughs) I think you guys took the idea of things happening in thirds one step too far. Trumpet number five releases smoke and locusts from the Earth's core, which if you didn't know is where smoke and locusts live.
1: (laughs) But only one third of the smoke. Right,
2: and in case you're not familiar with locusts, Turner helpfully describes one. The body of a horse, human face, crown on the head, long hair and lion's teeth, and wings.
3: I'm sorry. I thought locusts were like
2: no no, no, no. grasshoppers. Nope.
0: (laughs) They are a body of a horse, human face, crown on the head, long hair, and lion's teeth, and wings that sound like thundering horses rushing into battle. And worse, they have long tails and stings like scorpions. The sting is terrible. It doesn't kill you. It just leaves you in a state of torment for five months. Only those sealed by God will be exempt. It's an intense, horrible torment. Death will be preferable, but not possible.
2: Turner's drawing of a quote-unquote locust looks like something out of Napoleon Dynamite's notebook. (laughs) Trumpet number six gets back into the one-third game. 200 million horsemen will attack Earth's population and kill one-third of all surviving people.
1: You thought four horsemen were bad?
2: Yeah. How about... 200, 200 million.
3: million i like how she questions 200 million yeah and then he comes back with there were 200 million uh, horses in china in the 1970s yeah <laughs> like, what? that's an interesting fact thank you for sharing
1: <laughs> so but so they're gonna kill one third of the population does that include
3: them
2: no i don't think so i i don't, I don't think that the the people on horseback are are human uh, uh
1: they're horsemen
2: Yeah, they're Bojacks. How many people are even going to be alive at that point anyway? They have no vegetation or cattle or fish to eat. Their water is poisoned. It's slightly darker than it used to be. And there's swarms of scorpion horse lion locusts on the prowl. 200 million horsemen seems like overkill. 200 million horses?
0: There were that many horses in China in the late 70s, Kathy.
2: Perhaps weirdest of all, the seventh trumpet is... Just a review of the first six trumpets. So like a sampler of the previous six (laughs) plays. Last
3: time on the apocalypse.
2: (laughs) (laughs) like, Like a boss rush. Yeah. It's one third over again on everything. The point of all these trumpets is apparently to terrify anyone left into believing in Christ. We get a quick montage of Kathy trying to do math and then throwing her calculator on the floor when it doesn't work out. We crossfade to a jail cell where David is being held and then cut to a newspaper headline announcing the dissolution of the World Church. Jerry's boss instructs him to release their prisoner, David, and to tail him to locate Kathy. Why? What's so special about Kathy? Kathy doesn't know ship.
3: She's a believer. Apparently, I don't really understand. Some of them don't matter. <laughs> everybody killing all the believers that are left. Like, who cares?
2: Yeah. He specifically recommends putting a tracker in David's boot so they can follow him. The smart thing to do here would be to let David think that he escaped on his own so that he's more likely to go back to Kathy. Instead, Jerry pulls him aside and says, I'm letting you go because you're so great at crime. What? So do I have to get the mark? No. You're just real good. Get out of here, you.
1: Crazy kid, you.
2: Among the charges David is facing is one count of murder. David denies killing anyone, and then Jerry reminds him that he killed a guy for the uniform that he was arrested wearing. David counters that self-defense doesn't count as killing, for reasons. We crossfade to a man preaching the word of Brother Christopher to an enormous crowd. Among his audience are Kathy and Billy. David watches all this from the bushes around the event, and we see Bum's agents closing in on him. Shouldn't they stand back until he connects with Kathy? Wasn't that the whole reason that you released him? Instead, they race up to his beacon and find that David has outsmarted them and left his boots with the tracker, alone in the wilderness while he makes a run for it
3: so they haven't been moving for quite a while but they thought yeah he's there
2: he's definitely, definitely right he's here
3: definitely there see so,
1: yeah, i would have like put the boots on a log and like sent it down the river or something yeah.
3: the blood you mean send it down the blood the
1: blood river
2: the blood poison the bums get in a bubble chopper to chase their fugitive david climbs up onto a train bridge and finds himself in the crosshairs of a dozen soldiers when the unite helicopter gets too close to him David jumps up to grab the right skid. The men flying ask the soldiers to hold their fire. No, no, go, If he falls off, will tip over!
0: I'll, I'll find a place to put him down!
2: What? Put him down right here! If he falls off, we'll tip over? What does that mean? I
3: don't think that's how helicopters work.
2: I have an idea. Why not put him down exactly where you picked him up? At gunpoint and captured. Instead, they take him to a nearby empty field and as soon as his feet hit the ground, he makes a successful run for it. The pilots park the chopper and follow him on foot. It
1: and and really, it didn't tip over
3: Yeah. when he yeah. let go. I really wanted, because uh, he like goes to hide like just inside the woods. Like, yeah. You could still see the field with the helicopter in it. I really wanted them to keep going in the woods and him to go back and steal the helicopter.
2: Yes, I was really <laughs> hoping David would steal the helicopter here. <laughs> But the pilots return forlorn and empty-handed before flying away back at turner's farm he starts to explain to kathy why computers are evil he compares computers to the golden calves that people worship as false idols we cut to brother christopher preaching from atop an enormous golden throne as he speaks his voice has a digital filter applied to it to make him sound vaguely robotic my
0: friends and loyal subjects for the last four years We have worked together to overcome the greatest physical hardships the world has ever
2: known. He tells his disciples that not only hasn't God helped them through their recent plagues, but he has caused them, but they will survive this and worse together. Technically, he's right. God is not helping and is causing all of this torture, but for some reason, Robo-Christopher is the evil one. (laughs) At the end of the sermon, we see Leslie turn off the old folks' television. She's now in a wheelchair as a result of God's plan. We crossfade to a secret church for believers in a papier-mâché cave. A man is preaching the gospel to a group of about ten, including Kathy and Turner. Outside the cave, the effects of the first trumpet are evidenced when lightning strikes a tree and a flaming branch crashes to the ground, igniting dried grass. We cut back to the church for a moment in the cave, and then back to a raging forest fire. It's pouring outside the cave now when David suddenly barges in, dripping from the rain and fully bearded up. Kathy recognizes him immediately and runs to embrace him. Later that night, David is clean shaven again, and when they all leave the cave, they see the local wilderness is devastated. Turner suggests that a natural forest fire has a permanently sterilizing effect on the region, but there is still hope for elsewhere. Sometime later, Kathy and David are working in the yard when Billy races over to show them a new hiding spot he found. It's just a hole in the woods. We hard cut to Kathy at the nearest river collecting drinking water when suddenly the water turns to blood and she screams for David. He tells her they're running out of time and they need to work harder to crack the computer code. What code now? What are you doing?
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what they're still trying to accomplish. No idea. Because they already forged a, a mark. Are they trying yeah, to get different marks? Yeah, they have a mark marks? that works
2: to buy stuff. They bought batteries with it.
3: I mean, it's probably been flagged as, you know, not valid anymore. But
2: yeah.
3: I don't know what they're doing.
2: Later, David has news for Kathy.
0: Listen, I found out about a young woman who knows someone who works in a central computer bank. She knows about our project and wants to meet me.
2: The skies turned dark. We're really flying through these trumpets now. David promises to return tomorrow. We get another math montage with Kathy who winds up sobbing over a calculator. She still isn't halfway through her computer prophecies book that's about as thick as a Goosebumps novel. She picks up the book again and seems to find something important in the enormous barcode on the back cover. She hears an echo of David's voice warning about complicating God's plan.
0: Oh, no, David. it's been here all the time. We complicated something that was so simple, so obvious. All we had to do was believe it.
2: Across town, David parks his Jeep in the driveway of a home, and when he walks in, he finds Leslie in a wheelchair. Wordlessly, he crosses the room and lifts Leslie out of her chair before apologizing for leaving her in the wilderness. They kiss before he puts her back down. She tells him that she's been in this house the entire year since she was shot. She tells him she dreamed of this moment and that she loves him. Leslie and David wait in a warehouse for her contact from the computer division to arrive. A seemingly brand new character shows up, silhouetted in the doorway. She seems to know all about David's counterfeit mark, but he denies it. Leslie says she knows who it is, and we get a flashback to a scene Leslie wasn't in. It's Sandy, the girl who helped decapitate her best friend Patty at the start of the film, and then the soldier who shot Leslie appears behind Sandy. It appears they've been set up. Back at the farm... Jerry yanks open the door, startling Kathy and Billy before shouting threats at them. One week from tonight, your head's
0: going to be in the basket. Billy, run your your hideout, quick!
2: Billy takes off and Jerry trips running after him. Diane puts a gun in Kathy's face.
0: My grinning face is going to be the last thing you ever see before your head
2: falls in the basket. Billy gets into his hidey hole, but Jerry is right there with him.
3: Like, what was the whole point of the hidey hole thing? if If he gets gets caught caught right away
2: there's there's no, no point
3: no point yeah okay
2: suddenly a loud buzzing noise fills the air diane opens the door to investigate when the leg of an enormous creature comes through the door and stomps her out of frame kathy busts out of the cabin towards billy's hideout where jerry is dragging the kid away she hides momentarily in a storm drain and we see the shadow of a clawed monster reaching out for her
3: it's like the scorpion tail. Like, yeah. it's just, it, it seriously is probably just like the shadow of like a sock with some rubber bands on it and like a pokey thing on the end. Mm. It's, it's delightful. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Kathy starts screaming maniacally when she sees the locust and we suddenly fade to a nuclear bomb exploding and the galloping hooves of presumably 200 million-ish horsemen. We fade back to Kathy in a bed, tossing and turning, and then we see Turner lying face up in a field with bloodstains all around his neck. What happened to Turner?
3: I don't know. The,
1: the, the horseman
2: the got scor-
3: him. the scorpion thing. No, not the scorpion thing.
2: No, he, I mean, presumably that's what happened in the movie, but he's fine in the next one. They don't even acknowledge that he was lying here well, dead, covered it in be blood. Five months.
3: It's, it's five months and it's not, he's not dead. It's five months. He's just oh, he's just raging. tortured. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. But Forgot I thought that God was saving people from that torture. Like, I don't understand. What do these people have to do to be saved after they haven't been raptured? Like, I don't get what else they have to do because they seem to be trying real hard.
2: I guess they just have to wait it out. We cut to David in another jail cell. They present David with Billy and demand the location of Kathy, and if he doesn't tell them where to find her by tomorrow, then Billy goes to the platform to be beheaded. We cut to the other room where Billy and Leslie are being kept in adjacent cells. Billy has a red balloon. Apparently the people who planned to decapitate this child couldn't help but spoil him with balloons and arts and crafts supplies.
1: Well, they, they were trying to cozy up to him to see if he would give up some information.
2: But he's a kid and he doesn't know anything. Correct. And it's like, where's your mom? And it's like, I don't know, you guys took us from the same room. Where is my mom? <laughs> Why do they think the kid knows any better when they were apprehended in the same place? From the same room. David prays to God for direction. We crossfade to Leslie, praying that her killers will be so moved by her execution that they'll be convinced of God's greatness. Billy overhears this bit.
3: Are you gonna die?
2: Leslie drags herself across the cell to answer Billy in the affirmative.
3: (laughs) Have you ever heard about Jesus? Yes, David talks about him a lot.
2: This kid lives with a whole tribe of Bible aficionados, and his recollection of Jesus is, I've heard of him. Man, they really didn't care where this kid's soul ended up at all, did they? Billy asks for more information, and lucky for him, Leslie made a whole book to explain it. Unfortunately, instead of words, the book just has blank colored pages.
3: Now, my assumption here was that this was like a coded story for him so that it wouldn't be taken away and he could have this Jesus book that didn't have pictures or words that gave away that it was a Jesus book.
2: For the whole next day. (laughs) (laughs) She reads the book to him and describes the gold-plated streets of heaven and that believers will go there to be with Jesus. The only thing that's not allowed in heaven, according to Leslie, is sin.
0: Sin? What's sin?
2: Holy shit, they haven't told this kid what sin is yet? (laughs) He could die at any moment in this hellscape and they have yet to mention the information that will reserve him a seat in heaven. At the end of the color book, Leslie offers the kid a morbid invitation.
3: Would you like to receive Jesus into your heart now and have your sins forgiven? So that you can go to heaven? With you? That's right.
1: Yeah. Is she is she qualified to do that?
2: I think anybody can do this. We cut to the next day and through the window in his cell, David sees Billy's red balloon float away into the sky. Holy shit. Did they just kill the kid?
1: Did they let him hold on to the balloon the whole time?
2: <laughs> <laughs> David seems to think so. He's shouting at the guards.
0: You scum! It was just a
2: child. But it was a prank, bro. They walk in with the kid, and he explains what just happened. What happened to your balloon?
0: I gave it to Miss Leslie because she gave me Jesus, so I gave her my balloon.
2: You traded it up.
3: <laughs> well, Maybe. eventually he's going to trade it for a house. He just got to keep right. going.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I traded a balloon for Jesus. <laughs> You're going the wrong direction, kid. And then I got this big red
1: paperclip. Gonna... <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a relief. It wasn't Billy the child that died, it was that selfish lady who helped disabled kids until she learned what a selfish waste of time that was. The guards remind David of the deal. He can tell them where to find Kathy or they will take the kid to the platform. Seems pretty obvious what David should do here. Billy,
0: you're free. I want you to go and be with Leslie. They're gonna take you outside and lay you down. Now you close your eyes. Tell him you love Jesus no matter what. Oh my god. (laughs) Checkmate,
2: motherfuckers. (laughs) Uh, Bet you didn't think I was that fucked up. Now what are you gonna do? Before Billy, David is led to the guillotine, and we crossfade to the clouds where Billy's red balloon floats around in the sky on its way to heaven. Is
1: it before Billy?
2: I think he said, you're up next, and they immediately walk him out of the room. All right. (laughs) Unless he means next as in after After Billy. After (laughs) Billy.
3: That's what I was thinking.
2: I don't know. Honestly, I think they did kill Billy. Oh,
3: no, they totally killed Billy.
2: But I think they might have killed Billy before the end of this movie. Yeah. Before they even walked him outside. The last film in this series starts with one of the Unite soldiers killing the rest of the team that's about to execute David. What? And then helping him escape because she was a mole. But she didn't do that to save Leslie or, or the or child.
3: Billy. Okay. Okay.
2: She cool. just did it to save David. He, Billy is for sure dead in the oh, last yeah. movie. Oh totally dead. They don't go get Billy and leave. They just leave the compound. Their escape from the facility is aided by an explosion of a nuclear bomb, and David thanks God for the nuclear explosion unironically because it made his escape slightly easier, and then he spends the rest of the film trying to outrun mutants caused by the bomb's radiation.
1: So it becomes Fallout?
2: Yeah. And that's the rest of the series. But we'll save that for when we get to the next film. Oh, God. God, what year is that? 83, 84, somewhere in that Ugh. range. It's a ways off. We'll never get there. This movie is great. Thumbs up. I, I, I will
1: say this. In the opening scene where the girl's in the guillotine, I was actually very upset and nervous about what was happening. Like, I, I was I, I did not know what to expect from this movie. And it starts off with this...
2: It's a grocery store.
1: Well, yeah. Like, the grocery store itself was like, oh, is this what this movie's going to be? Hard cut, guillotines. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay, maybe this movie will be pretty crazy and I'll get to enjoy it. But then from there, it's just running around and hiding in cabins the yeah. whole rest of the movie. I wanted the mural.
2: Yeah, like, I, like, I just wanted him to tell me about a hundred trumpets. That that That's a movie to me. It's just this old man <laughs> blathering on about all the trumpets. I just want to hear what's going to happen next. Oh, cool. <laughs> and then a third of your dick is going to fall off. <laughs> Which third? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we cut off the third closest to you. <laughs> so that's all of it.
3: I did not think this movie was good. I struggled to watch it. It was frustrating and dumb and yeah.
2: I genuinely thought it was fun and I feel like this is a movie I would put on at a party and be like, guys, enjoy the image of the beast.
3: No. <laughs> no.
2: No? Yeah. Yeah. So three thumbs up or two? Three. Thumbs it, down. It's a down. All right. I'm, I'm comfortable being the only thumb up on this one. It's it's definitely the best. I watched all four this week, so this is gold.
3: Well, yeah, I see you're coming from a different perspective. Yeah, you're coming from this being the best of the worst.
2: The first movie is a dream. This movie, they kill a child. (laughs) I know, and a a horse with its scorpion tail.
3: Child murder is the best part of this movie. I don't know, man.
2: It's not the best part. The best part is the quote unquote locusts.
3: The (laughs) The shadow of a. Of a puppeted scorpion tail.
2: Now, okay, if that's the biblical definition of locusts, does that mean that in the original plagues that when they say locusts, they mean horses with scorpion tails and human heads? No.
3: They mean locusts.
1: They mean actual locusts. And
2: by locusts, you mean horses with scorpion tails. (laughs)
3: No. The bug.
2: And lion teeth. (laughs) human faces and long so hair it's, it's, it's basi- important that they have long hair like what? i want to see like the guy walking down the line of locusts like your hair is too short get it, it, back in the y- in the you paddocks
1: know what, you know what it is it's a freaking lionel from breath of the wild
2: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Is. <laughs> it totally is that's
1: all i can picture now
2: anyway it's great uh letterboxd what are you guys thinking
3: so i have it at 57 really out of 57 really what's really? okay what's 56 uh hard country
2: This is better than hard country, sweetie. No. I think you need to watch them back to back. I
3: think you didn't endure 12 years of Catholic school. I think that you didn't have the same frustrating experience with religion throughout your entire life that I have. (laughs) And you don't hate it with a passion as much as I do. I
2: think it would have been kind of fun to go through a religious school.
3: (sighs) It was so infuriating because I was was the only voice of reason... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's just terrible.
1: <laughs> See, I come from a more moderate perspective, where I did go to, uh, not a super. Rel- I mean, it was a Christian school, and we did have locusts. Like, oh god, <laughs> they were terrible. which kind? <laughs> Both. No. Uh, we we did have services and and Christmas. You know, like religious plays and things like that. Um, but uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't super strict
2: um neither of your religious educations involved the rapture or no Mm. no
3: Um, no i don't think we ever discussed this stuff
2: the the closest way i
1: got to a cataclysm was catechism (laughs) was the ccd they used to call it uh which was like like after school bible study
3: your school wasn't religious enough that you also had to go to ccd
1: uh i had to go to ccd separately
3: yeah i like know a school. but like people would come like the people that went to the public schools would come to our school to take ccd because we had the religious school Oh, okay yeah so
1: i went to a christian school but the ccd was held at the church that my family attended Ugh. then one day my mom <laughs> this is a great story one day my mom says "Do you still want to go to church and i said no all right
2: and that was it <laughs> <laughs> my parents asked me and mikey that when we were like Five and three, and we were like, "Yeah, no," and then they just stopped going. So I barely remember ever going to church. Still, pretty great movie. I think we all 57 agree. Fifty-seven
3: out of
1: fifty-seven. <laughs> I have it slightly higher.
2: All right, I'm I still going to be offended.
1: I have hit 55 <laughs> <laughs> at fifty-five. of fifty-seven, uh, the two movies below it are Scream at the absolute bottom, <laughs> and Hardly Working. Which I also feel is an affront to God, <laughs>
0: yeah, but you uh,
3: know how much I hate Jerry Lewis. oh and, yeah. this, is and this is worse than that and this is worse than that.
2: I'm wondering I, if I need to move it.
1: I don't know I
3: but you but you you like these movies and like you yeah I watch, yeah. watch, watch faith-based movies a lot yeah. You watch the like God
2: interview with God yeah. God's not dead.
1: I what was the, the the one with the cabin the cabin in the woods
2: the Joss Whedon one
1: (laughs) (laughs) no there wasn't there one like recently like there was a cabin where Jesus would appear
2: that sounds great I need the name of it now I don't know what what my problem is uh, in that direction but I really like putting on faith-based movies and just watching them because and I don't
3: know why I mean I feel like you just haven't had these people infuriate you enough with their nonsense that you're no, just I, like, this is entertaining. And I you're mean, like, no, 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 no. We definitely it's have, annoying.
2: we have different <laughs> Facebook feeds. Me having grown up in California, you having grown up in Wisconsin. <laughs> so I see it sometimes on your computer. I'm like, oh, nobody says that kind of stuff on my computer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's The Shack.
2: The Shack? Yeah, The Shack. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Who's The A grieving in this?
1: man receives a mysterious personal invitation to meet with God at a place called The Shack.
2: Dean Cain, Kevin Zorbo. Uh,
1: Sam Worthington, Tim McGraw. Sam Worthington? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Octavia Spencer.
2: Octavia Spencer, really?
1: Yeah. Oh, Graham Greene. I like
2: Graham Greene. The author?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Alice Braga is in this. There's a lot of people in this
2: the <laughs> shack wait is this even a faith-based movie or is it like uh i don't know sort of a comedy type thing i don't I, I can't see sam worthington already dipping into that doesn't he have like nine avatar movies coming out in a year
3: yeah but nobody knows who he is still
2: yeah that's true
3: highest grossing film actor of all time <laughs> yeah I mean, no, nobody knows who he is <laughs> <laughs>
2: what, what did you say your name was again sam worthington what do you say you do i'm an actor I, what movies are you in the highest grossing film of all time what character did you play the main character <laughs> Sam Stevelblink? no I believe our friend
1: Matthew uh, described him as unbuttered toast
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have it in 41st place which is just above Earthbound and just under The Nesting neck and neck with The Nesting
1: so wrong <laughs> yeah I would watch Earthbound three times <laughs> before I would watch one third of Image
3: <laughs> of the Beast
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> For you guys like the 12th trumpet is watching this movie again.
3: Wait, so when do we get to the bowls? Is that the next movie?
2: <laughs> what are the bowls? Do? Okay. What's in I the watched bowls? the fourth movie. There were no <laughs> bowls. Is, is one like a bowl of cherries? <laughs> I think it's just Okay, cuz the fourth movie is really just they're driving what looks like the the van from damnation alley. <laughs> you know, it's like this big nice. like geometric shape van uh driving out through the wilderness. There's nuclear bombs, there's mutants. They befriend one of the mutants. Um, and it's about them trying to infiltrate the system and shut everything down
1: there's
3: still a system yeah what system i thought we blew everything you know, computers, up computers
2: computer code oh,
3: computers are evil okay
2: anyway image of the beast guys this was a lot of fun <laughs> check it out uh it was written directed and storied by donald w thompson who is the writer director producer of all of these movies Uh, It was co-written and co-storied and co-produced by Russell S. Doughton Jr., who is a writer and producer of the entire series, and apparently an uncredited director of the Steve McQueen blob. (laughs) I don't know how that could possibly be true. (laughs) Uh, He also plays Reverend Matthew Turner in all four films. The music here is from Richard A. Girvin. He's the composer of the second and third film, but like I said, the... Monty Python-esque music comes from the first film, carries through the entire series, and there is no composer credited for the first film. Cinematographer James L. Barry was also the DP for the second, third, and fourth installments. Editor Wes Philippi edited the entire series. William Wellman Jr. played David Michaels. As the name might suggest, he is the son of legendary director William A. Wellman, whose war film Wings won the first Academy Award for Best Picture, at the time Outstanding Picture junior appeared mostly in westerns he's charlie in it's alive he's also in the private files of edgar hoover and a couple billy jack movies patty dunning played patty myers she plays the same role in the first two films wenda sharrows plays leslie she's a different character in the second film than she is in the third film Mm. tom ratchford played jerry bradford he's the same character in all four Mary Ann Ratchford played Diane Bradford, so they're an actual couple playing a couple in the film. Uh, she plays the same character in the first two films. Sandy Kristen played Sandy Stevens. She's the same character in the previous film. Ty Hardin played the missionary. He also played the titular character of a series called Bronco in the late 50s. And then the last credit I have here is Mike Nadei, who played Jim Wright, and he plays the same character in all four installments. So that's it. Most of these people only ever worked on these movies. Uh, because they were shot in Iowa. And they cost tens of thousands of dollars and made millions of dollars. Millions of dollars.
3: So is this our first God-sploitation film?
2: Uh, I think the term is christ exploitation, <laughs> But actually, probably both work. Um, but yes, I think so. Uh, because the only other ones that we've done have been religious satires. Mm. Um, I can't think of anything else that we've done that took religion seriously. Other than potentially The Omen. But that's not really the right, same. Right, but
3: this is really appealing to the Christian audience. Yeah, you're not rooting for the money. devil here.
2: I mean, I am, but <laughs> I'm not supposed to be.
3: I'm rooting for that stinging guy. What Come his on, name?
2: Robo Christopher. The stinging guy? What? The locust. <laughs> the, the stinging guy. Go. I still
3: don't think they're called locusts.
2: In the movie, they are.
3: I feel like maybe you misconstrued something. I really don't think that those weird. <laughs> horse, lion, scorpion creatures were locusts.
1: That sounds like a, a chimera.
2: But he calls them locusts. Okay. I'll play the clip for you when we're done. And I'll play it right here.
0: What a frightful creature this locust will be.
2: I think that's everything for Image of the Beast. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord now. Join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future at VintageVideoPodcast.com Discord. And if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing The Burning. Which IMDb describes like so. A former summer camp caretaker, horribly burned from a prank gone wrong, lurks around an upstate New York summer camp, bent on killing the teenagers responsible for his disfigurement.
3: That sounds original.
2: Super original story. Tom Sabini effects. Jason Alexander as a child. Mm -hmm. Sexy. Written by Harvey (laughs) Weinstein. (laughs) Sexy. We leave you now with the trailer. For the burning. Which is what they call it when you have sex with Harvey Weinstein. Ooh. This summer, if you're planning to go camping,
0: don't if you're looking forward to midnight swings, don't I'm gonna sneak on back to the campsite. Get some matches. Build us a hard fire. And if you're thinking about being with someone where like no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunkroom door, with just a mass of flames. Burned alive, fried out. I will return. I will have my revenge. He lives on whatever he can catch. Right now out there, watching, waiting. Who's there? What happened one summer five years ago is about to happen again, and again, and again. The burning.